Hello, I'm Kathy. And I'm Gary. And this is Torah Talk. Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? In our last podcast, we talked about how the Christian idea of dying and immediately going to heaven may not have originated in the Bible. And if that is what happens, then what is the point of looking forward to the great resurrection of all believers at the return of our Messiah to earth? We talked about the origins of the concept of the disembodied soul, the idea that our soul is separated from our physical body at death and is transported to heaven. We pondered the implications of this concept. Are our souls hanging out in heaven in perfect paradise, just waiting to go back to earth to be reunited with our physical bodies? I just think that when you bring this idea to its logical conclusion, it doesn't even make sense. We have lost the hope of the resurrection. So today, we want to look at what the Bible says happens when we die. After this message, let's talk about death and let's talk Torah. For over 25 years, Ezra International has been helping the poorest of the poor Jewish people escape poverty and persecution. In fact, almost 80,000 Jewish people have now returned to Israel with our help. The average cost to rescue one Jewish person is $360. Your gift of just $30 a month over one year can help return a Jewish person to Israel and restore their hope for a better future. Please go to EzraInternational.org and give your best gift today. Let's talk about death, Gary. Oh boy. <laughs> Lots of fun. Okay. But love you your know, topics. let's face it, it is a topic that most people are interested in to, you know, one degree or another, and maybe more so as you get older. Yeah, that <laughs> seems to be true. So let me start out by saying that as of right now, I have never died. And Gary, you haven't either, right? Nah, not that I'm aware of. Okay. So therefore, we're not experts on the topic based on experience alone. Okay? True. So there are certainly those who do who do claim that they have died and then come back. But today, we're going to focus on the words of the Bible. But addressing this topic is just like working with prophecy. You only really know that prophecy has been fulfilled after it's been fulfilled. So we'll only really fully know about death sometime after we've died, right? Well, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and that's it is such a it is such a hot topic. And Kathy, I know this one generates a lot of emotional response. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about are challenging. This one is definitely among them. Um, but I just thought maybe at the get-go here, I'll just help uh, maybe put people at ease as we talk about this, just to think about death and this concept of whether we're going right immediately to see the Lord or it's there's a delay because of the resurrection. Right. So let's think about that for a moment because we're going to talk about the scriptures that talk about falling asleep. That's a perfect analogy here. Just again for our audience, rest easy. Don't don't get too upset tight don't about freak this. Out. <laughs> think about this. Think about when you go to sleep at night. Now if you sleep eight hours straight 
or maybe you wake up after two hours, or it doesn't matter. The first thing most people do when they wake up in the morning is they look at the clock, right? I mean, maybe they got to rush off to work, or or if you wake up in the middle of the night, how many hours did I sleep? Because Boy, that have, happens more and more as I get older. Yes, because <laughs> you have no idea, right? right? So whether you sleep eight hours or you've been asleep for a thousand years, it doesn't make a difference to you. When you wake up, there's there's no concept of time. And with God being timeless, I think this is a perfect analogy. You know, the sleep is a perfect analogy for the, for this. Uh, do you think that's why they used it in the Bible, the idea I of really sleeping? Do. <laughs> I do, because, because your next waking moment will be at the resurrection, and you are going to face judgment, whether, you know, to everlasting life or to eternal damnation. So there there it is, that waking moment where you are going to be present with the, well, is it going to be at the white throne judgment? Is it going to be Yeshua there judging us, you know, for what we've done in our life? So again, you've gone to sleep, you wake up, no concept of time, you're there. So I think I think we should just relax and, and not get too uptight about this. But I think it's worth looking into. You know, I think that so what, what you're saying is, you know, even Abraham slept. Yes. Right. And when he wakes up, it's going to be no different than somebody who died 20 days ago, exactly. you know, 20 years That's ago, 2,000 yes. years ago, whatever. Yeah. It'll all be the same. There's no concept of yes. time if it's you sleep. Yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's a good analogy. Now, once again, we will not know for sure until after that's we right. die, okay? And right. then I'd say after we're resurrected, okay? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a little ways down the road. Now, I wanted to give a word of caution. I do... This isn't the caution. I do a lot of research. <laughs> that's, caution, that's Kathy caution. does research. I do a lot of research. Okay. And I try to find the origins of the ideas that we have about our faith. Are they biblical or are they man-made? And if man-made, who made them and how did they cross over into Christianity? Now, as we have identified many times there's confusion in understanding the Bible. And when that happens, it stems from our tendency to engage in Greek thinking versus Hebrew thinking. Gary, we talk about this all we do. the time. And that's why I think what you're talking about here, Kathy, is such an important exercise. It's, it's just so that we can understand why we think the way why we Why do we think? So as I try to go back as far as I can... I want to try to get back before these Greek ideas started to creep into our faith, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's hard to do. This means going back to at least sometime in what we call the intertestamental times, okay, between what we know as the Old and the New Testament, um, between the close of the Tanakh and the beginning of the events of the Brit Hadashah, the Newer Testament. And that's when the Greek Empire ruled over much of the Middle East, including Israel. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you know, before that, extra biblical ideas did sneak into the faith. I mean, God warned the people, you know, as they were entering the land of Canaan, that this was going to happen, try to keep it from happening. But we all know that it did, right? Right. You know, Israel assimilated into various cultures in the diaspora. The reality is other ideas definitely snuck into the Hebrew way of thinking, particularly 
Hellenistic ideas or Greek. So when I'm saying Hellenistic, Hellenism, I'm, that's Definitely just a fancy Greek. word for yeah. Greek, right? <laughs> yeah, I, think, I, I totally agree with you. First, you, know, you remember the Babylonian captivity. There was a lot of influence, the pagan ba- uh, influence in Babylon. And then now you're you're talking about the time of basically um, the before the Maccabees. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So we're talking about, do you remember in the Maccabees story um, and the whole thing was based on the fact that the, the about the Jews who were trying to resist the Greek influence, exactly. right? Yeah. And in fact, we read a story of Mattathias killing a Jew who was willing to make an offering to a Greek god. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we know this was an issue for them. And think about that. You know, we here we are t- talking about this in the 21st century, and we we worry. You know, people's feelings get hurt and things of that nature. Here we're talking about the the the, the to the extent of pagan worship in the temple and having to be and being killed over that yes but a, a righteous indignation rose up in Mattathias that's right because of this and and he recognizes yeah. you know but this story occurred hundreds of years right. before the new testament accounts so when i'm researching on the internet or in books about the origins of different ideas or phrases it's not easy to sift out jewish thinking that has been hellenized over the years from from more, I'll call it unadulterated Hebrew mm-hmm. biblical thinking. Right. It, it's hard. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm constantly stressing, read your Bibles as a whole, look for patterns, try as much as you can to suspend your preconceived ideas of what you think it's saying. So, you know, we're going to look at a phrase called uh, gathered to his people as an example. Mm-hmm. If you already believe that you join your dear departed family in heaven as soon as you die, it's super easy to read gathered to his people as a support for the conclusion you already have. But the reality is that this phrase does not say you go to heaven when you die. The reader has to lay this meaning on top of the words to get to that conclusion. That is true. You know, and it is difficult not to do this. Okay, that's that for us too. We'll admit that it is. it's difficult not to do that. What you're describing, Kathy, is the perfect definition of paradigm. I mean, when, yes. you know, when when all of those thoughts, all thought process have been in, embedded, ingrained in you from your entire life. That's all you've ever heard. You read a passage, and it automatically means such and such to you because of your preconceived notions or ideas. So, so we can be guilty of that, too. I just know that I'm trying to be super careful to see where these ideas snuck in. But that being said, we do have to look at what the Bible says happens when we die. And it's probably going to take us at least two podcasts to address mm-hmm. this topic at least, <laughs> what happens when we die, and still by no means will we cover all the verses about this topic. We'll try to address the verses that seem to indicate a theme or a pattern on this topic, and we'll address some of the, what people call proof text, verses that they use to support their belief that we go to heaven immediately when we die. So we're going to try to address all of that. Mm-hmm. By no means do we think that we'll all end up with the same conclusion on this topic at the end of all of this. And you know what? That's okay. I'm so glad you said that, Kathy. It is okay. I mean, you know, we look at look at the Talmud, look at the Torah commentaries, <laughs> look at all the discussion that the rabbis go through over these topics, over over uh, scripture, and 
there you can find contradicting uh, you know analysis on the same page well, of the Chumash. Exactly. And it's okay. They're they're all discussing and and you know yes things get sometimes get a little testy you know mm -hmm. when it, we're discussing scripture but we should be able to discuss these things and come to different conclusions and not look at each other that you know we're crazy. It's like no we have supporting that's why I love that idea of Midrash, where mm -hmm. the whole purpose of that is people coming together who um, desire, all desire to know truth, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you, you see different things as you're reading it. Our Friday night Torah study, Gary, that we do is a perfect example. Yeah. And I come into it and I prep and I get ready and I, I, I see things a certain way. And then someone else will bring something I have never even considered. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's fantastic. Sure. You know? That's how we grow. That, exactly. So I... I think that we have to always uh, put value on that, on that idea of being able to discuss and to disagree. To disagree and respect that. Right. And, and, and it's okay. I think it's we, restricting someone's thought is no different than what we're facing in this country with restricting freedom of speech. Yes. We need to be able to discuss it. What, it, what is it going to hurt to, to, to talk it out, discuss it, lay, lay our opinions out there? If you disagree, fine. Right. But let's let's respect that that research and, and exactly. that idea and that opinion. So you know, the best place to start, ta-da. Let's start <laughs> in the beginning with the book of beginnings, and that would be Genesis. Of course. You know, so I do want to give a little credit in here, uh, and, and Gary and I both know this. My daughter Michaela uh, did a, a Bible study for Glenn Beck audience, and she she was the one who actually first kind of got me thinking about this a little bit mm -hmm. and what the Bible does say about where we come from, where we go, and, and, and everything like that by looking at Genesis, her 40-day study, actually the first, um, the first study was titled Dust. <laughs> yeah, appropriately. <laughs> exactly. Well, she did a great job. And um, yeah, the, the, the following is uh, a part of that study, um, a word study, in fact. And uh, it, what a perfect place to start in Genesis. You know, Torah talk. We're going to go, we're going to go <laughs> to the Torah and we're going to look this through. So we're starting point. Uh, um, we'll start by pointing out the name of, of, of the first man God created, Adam. His name comes from the Hebrew word Adama, which means earth or soil. Adam's name reflects that he was formed from the dirt or the soil. Now, now we've got to keep that in mind as, as we read all of these passages. Genesis 2-7, the creation account. And Jehovah God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed, it, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Here the word for dust is translated from the Hebrew word dry earth, afar. It, that's, that, that's the word for dust, afar. The Hebrew word for breath is neshama. It's sometimes translated as breath and sometimes as spirit, which is very interesting. Yes. Many of us are familiar with the word ruach for the spirit in, in the word ruach hakodesh or holy spirit. These two words seem to be equivalent in Scripture, which is... When I'm looking through these things, I was very familiar with Ruach, mm -hmm. but not 
this other word, neshama, neshama, nesh. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce neshama. it. Neshama. Yeah. Uh, usually, I think that the emphasis is on the final syllable. Exactly. But I, I think I think it's interesting, and and that's always uh, fascinated me when I when I when thought back of the creation of, of Adam and life, is that God breathed into his nostrils. Mm. He put his life, God's life, he breathed into us, and that's when. Blood, I believe the blood began to flow exactly Adam, with that exactly. breath of life. So it's exactly. a, it's a beautiful picture. But but these two words do seem to be very similar, right? Very Gary? similar. The yeah. ruach of God made me. This is Job thirty three verse four. The ruach, the spirit of God, made me, and the shama, the shama of, of the Almighty gave me life. So he's saying in there, if we read that in English, the spirit of God made me. And the and the breath of the Almighty gave me life. Right. So yeah, one in the same. same. It's, I it's think just, it's the same. It's a, a different it's, it's word that, saying it's the that same poetic thing. Poetic form of repeat, Re- repetition. Repetition. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So, right. And then Job twenty seven three says it this way: All the wild, all the while, my neshama is in me. That is my my uh, my breath yeah. is in me, and the ruach of God is in my nostrils. So once again, that poetic repetition, the spirit is in the, or the breath is in me and the spirit of God is in my nostrils. It's beautiful. I think this is what God, the Lord says, this is Isaiah 42, five, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath, the word neshama, to the people on it and the spirit and spirit ruach to those who walk in it once again poetic repetition who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it it's it's, it's saying the same thing and just using different words right. um, beautiful repetition and it using it interchangeably mm-hmm. anyway i think it would it, it would be appropriate to think that the breath and the spirit as similar to Excuse me. Let me let me read this again. Yeah. I'm reading directly from uh, this is Michaela's study. So mm-hmm. excuse me. I, I'm sorry, Michaela. If I'm butchering it. <laughs> I think it would be appropriate to think of the breath and spirit as similar to kindling a fire. You blow on it and get it started. God's breath kindles life in what was dust. That's that's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yes. The words translated "living being" are haya nefesh. Nefesh is also directly related to the idea of breath, God's breath. But it's best to think of nefesh as to be alive, a whole living being, a whole creature. So we have a formula or a recipe for making man. (laughs) Dry earth, dust, plus breath of life of God. Isn't that just just two ingredients, right? Just two ingredients. Very simple, very, very organic. (laughs) (laughs) We we are. And that's why maybe we should be eating more organic, right? Exactly. I think we can confidently say that man without breath of life, God's breath, is just dust. The Hebrew yeah. word afar. That's what it seems to say. We and that really, when his breath, when his life leaves us, that's what we do. We return to the dust. Genesis three nineteen uh, is this is after the fall. It says of Adam, "You will eat bread by the sweat of your forehead till you return to the ground, for we were taken out of it. You are dust afar, and you will return to it. Return it to the dust." It seems very clear. It does, doesn't it? It I seems mean, very clear. Just, Start as dust. Just think of this. Just dust. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just this inanimate dust, this inanimate form 
God gives you life with his breath, breath. by his spirit. Yes. And then when that that leaves you, you return to dust. He gives it and he takes it away. It's very it's his breath. that's a very simple but I think that's the foundation of what of this whole study that we're going to be. I think so too. Here. It's so straightforward, okay? So it's start as dust, end as dust. God gives the part that animates us, right? And makes us human, living, living beings. Okay. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem that here, Gary, if I'm looking at this, there's any indicator right here in Genesis, that part of us that we called in our last podcast, the disembodied soul. Okay. The soul continues on after we die. It seems to be referring to the person as a whole unit animated by God's breath, and then unanimated by the lack of God's breath, right? Right. right. It's very simple, not a couple different parts going in a bunch of different, a couple different directions. Right. Right. You know? uh, and and if anybody has experienced um, being at the bedside of someone who's passed, you know, they breathe their last. Their last. <sighs> yeah. And they're gone. That's it. Yeah. You know, Ecclesiastes speaks to this. Ecclesiastes twelve seven, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to the God who gave it. Mm-hmm. It was God's breath in you at the beginning. Right. He he blows it into you, he kindles the fire, and then he takes it away, and so, it's done. So it's, it's safe to say, without God, there is no life. That's right. And, and that's how we look at it. That's right. Psalm 104.29, when you hide your face, they are dismayed. And when you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. Oh, wow, that's very clear. That's right. Psalm 146.4, when his breath, Ruach, that one was Ruach, departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Mm. He dies. Even when Yeshua died, we're told in Matthew 26, 50, Yeshua cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Now that was Greek, pneuma, okay? But that's used for, for the spirit translated back into Hebrew. So even for Jesus, he yielded up this um, this ruach, this neshama, or whatever you call, it, whatever you say that, he yielded it back up. So for Jesus, one half of the equation was subtracted, which was God's breath, and thus he died. Yeah, if you if you're a man, which he was, that's that's how he became a living being. That's right. The, the spirit breath, of his right, father, the right. breath of God. That's right. So this theme theme is starting and ending and, and dust, echoed throughout Ecclesiastes. Let's look at 319. After all, the same thing that happens to people happens to animals. The very same thing. This is what it says. Mm -hmm. Just as the one dies, so does the other. Yes, their breath is the same, so that the humans are no better than animals, since nothing matters anyway. (laughs) Since nothing matters anyway. I was like, oh, so sad. They all go to the same place. They all come from dust. They all return to dust. So it seems to me that this idea of animating breath applies to animals too. It's, it mm-hmm. seems it's the same thing. I, and I find that, I find that really interesting that, well, that everything alive, living beings 
it, have it, to have well, it ties, breath. Yeah, it ties back to the creation story. I think this 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 beautiful confirmation of the of the creation story that there is no life without oh, God. Exactly. He, the creator. He brought it all yes. forth. Yes. So it seems to me that we don't see any indication here of a separate eternal soul existing for each person, uh, something distinct from this physical dust-based being, right? <laughs> right? We just see God's breath animating the dust, bringing it to life, and the lack of God's breath resulting in no life, no life. Death. death. Yeah. Right? That, that's pretty cut and dry. So let's look, Kathy, let's look at it another uh, term that's associated with the, this dying business. Gather, gather business. to his <laughs> Well, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, there's so much, there's so much talk. We're, we, we all, we, we want life. We all want long life. And, and that was a blessing in the scripture is that yes. if you're obedient to God, you have long life. Yes. But the result of every man's life, I mean, the end of every man's life is this death. Mm-hmm. And, and that's no different with a man as, as faithful as Abraham. That's right. um, the term I was referring to is gather to his people. We all, we all um, see a related version of this concept, gather to his fathers or to lie with your fathers. Altogether, this is Genesis 25, verse 7 through 8. Altogether, Abraham lived 175 years. There's that beautiful blessing of a long life. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man full of years, and he was gathered to his people. Again, Genesis 25, 7 through 8. This phrase, gathered to his people, is used to describe the death of Isaac, Ishmael, Jacob, Aaron, and Moses. And at first glance, if your paradigm is that you immediately go to heaven when you die, you might understand this to saying each, each of these men's souls went to heaven to be with the souls of the rest of his people. But it doesn't say that specifically, does it? No, it doesn't. That's not what it says. There seems to be a, a, a common explanation for this phrase, identifying as an idiom, kind of a, a comforting way of saying Abraham met the same fate of his ancestors. He died. Right. I would add that he was awaiting the same he he is awaiting the same fate that all the righteous of his family await resurrection to eternal life. So this phrase being gathered to his people doesn't necessarily seem to be proof that our souls are going to heaven when we die. Perhaps some people may conclude it, but it doesn't say that definitively. No, I think that's another, it's, it's just another one of those examples where you have to lay layer meaning on mm-hmm. top of it because that's not what it is saying. So we're going to look at another term, and um, that is Sheol. Sheol is the place to which people descend at death. It's often referred to as the pit the, the grave, and King James does call that hell, too, mm-hmm. okay, when you see a translation of this Sheol. So we see Jacob talking about Sheol when he expresses his fear that Benjamin will be taken from him. And in Genesis forty four twenty nine, it says, if you take this one also from me and harm befalls him, you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow, mm-hmm. the grave in sorrow. Right. So Sheol is also the place where Korah and his family went. Okay, we know in Korah's rebellion, it said in Numbers 1630, but if the Lord creates a new thing and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up, this is about Korah and his family and all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Mm. So they went to this pit, this grave, this Sheol, uh, we see this uh, Job 7, 9, 
Job does talk a lot about death and dying. Yeah, well, and and I really don't... you can understand Exactly. <laughs> I, I have not historically spent a lot of time with Job. I've yeah. actually been spending more time with Job lately. Mm. You know, one of the oldest books, right? Isn't that yeah, what they say? Yeah, they think it's a, one of the I, oldest. Yeah, and, and, and you really... He asked some very important Point. questions. Yes, he did. And, and, and I think they're all for it. I mean, of course, we hear Job. Uh, I mean, I've used it in, in doing funeral services. You know, if a man dies, will he live again? Yes. I mean, that's the important question. Exactly. Um, There's the resurrection question. Yeah. Job 7, 9, when a cloud vanishes, it is gone. So is he who goes down to Sheol, does not come up. 1 Samuel 2, 6, the Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and he raises up. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he gives you life. He takes it away. You die. That's what it's saying. And then resurrection. There's a resurrection. There we go. Isaiah 14, 15, nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol to the recesses of the pit. Okay. This is when you die. I'm going to read from Job 17, 13 through 16. I said, Joel says a lot about this. (laughs) If I look for Sheol as my home, I make my bed in the darkness. If I call to the pit, you are my father, to the worm, my mother and my sister, where now is my hope? And who regards my hope? Will it go down with me to Sheol? Shall we together go down into the dust? So we have this idea of combining the pit, Sheol, and we have our idea of going down into the dust mm-hmm. connected with the idea of the pit and Sheol. Psalm 49, 15. Like I said, we're going to just do a lot of scripture here, folks. I think it's okay. the best way, right yeah. now, especially with this hot topic. And God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Now, there's something interesting People might say, redeem my soul. Doesn't this psalm say that our bodies go to the grave, but our souls don't? So I think that leads us to look at another word. First, the word soul. Mm. We just talked about it. It's now familiar. Nephesh. Translated in our Bibles as soul or living being, a life, a person, even a desire or passion. Okay, now that's interesting. Okay. Let's look at Genesis 1.20 where it uses nephesh. Let the waters abound with the abundance of living creatures. There's nephesh, okay? So Life. you have that, that uh, hayah nephesh, the mm-hmm. living creatures. Mm-hmm. Genesis 1.24, let the earth bring forth living creatures. Once again, nephesh according to their kind. So we have the same pattern, dust plus the neshama or the spirit, equals nephesh, a living creature. So that's the recipe that Gary just told you about, okay? We said dust plus the spirit or the breath equals a living creature, nephesh. Could be a living animal, a sea creature, and man. The Apostle Peter in the New Testament stated that only eight souls were saved from the flood. The Greek word is suke, but it's translated back into Hebrew as nephesh. Hmm. So once again, he's talking about just eight 
people. Right. Okay. Eight people were saved. It wasn't just their souls that were saved. Those were eight living, breathing people yeah. that were on the ark, not eight disembodied souls on the no, ark. No, exactly. I mean, we, we, we hear that term used uh, today. I mean, oh, yes. you know, a plane crash or, you know, 300 souls perished yes. or something like that. Yes, as, it means people. As the people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Bless her little soul. Is that just the solars? <laughs> no. Okay. So the reference to soul in both the Older and Newer Testaments, it does not necessarily imply the concept of a disembodied soul that goes to heaven at death. Nephis just means a living being. Mm-hmm. It's very simple and straightforward you have to add on to it gary i think you laid it out well with the with scriptures from genesis you know if it also means living cre- you know creatures of all kinds um you know unless we want to start saying that you know all these all these creatures uh, are, are the same as man when it comes to their you know their resurrection or salvation as we call mm-hmm. it um no it's 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 these are this is discussing creatures of all, all kinds. kinds right i mean job even talks Although about all the dogs worm. do go to heaven yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> and we all hope that yes yeah. but uh you know again i think it, it's clear because what have you done there kathy you've gone back to the hebrew that's that 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 unburying process that I think we talked about last last time, is that if we just look at the English, we just look at translations, we just look at uh, our our paradigm or our preconceived notions that we miss so much. But when you dig down all the way back, and I I feel so strongly that we have to understand the Hebrew and its meaning. Right, and that's where we need the shovel that you talked about, right? Okay, to dig in that. So yeah, then once you have, once you've cleared the the rubbish away and you get down to that scroll of Hebrew and and you break it down like you did, it does change things, doesn't it? That's right. You know, we read verses about the grave as being a place of nothingness, Mm. forgetfulness, non-activity, kind of non-being, kind of the exact opposite of a hayah nefesh, a living being. Um, And we see it described, as you said, as sleep, Mm -hmm. all of these. Yeah, and again, we we can go back to Job, uh, because it seems one of the most complete descriptions of what happens when we die. Mm -hmm. And and it's, it's an interesting... It's interesting that we find it there. It's such a study on human nature, too. Yes. Uh, Job 3, 11 through 19, says this, Why did I not die at birth? Why did, I not, why did I not perish when I came from the womb? Why did the knees receive me? Or why the, the breasts that I should nurse? For now I would have lain down and been quiet. I would have slept then. I would not have been at rest. I would have I, been I'm at sorry, rest. I would have been at rest. <laughs> important. Important difference there. What Job is doing here is saying, basically, you know, why was I born and had to suffer like this? Right. I could have been resting. That's right. Go, goes on to say, with kings and with counselors of the earth who rebuild ruins for themselves or with princes who had gold who were filling their houses with silver. So he would have just rested with everybody else, right? Everybody. That's yeah. what he's saying. Yeah. With no, everybody. No different. Same place, everybody. It's the great equalizer. Exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. When you think about it, you yes. know, I think we should, this is another reason why we shouldn't be idolizing, you know, individuals on this planet that so many do. Because, dust to you know, dust. Because we're all going to end up the same way. Right. And he goes on. 
or like the miscarriage, which which is discarded. That's quite graphic. Mm-hmm. I would not be as infants that never saw light. There, 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 the wicked cease from raging, and there the weary are at rest. The prisoners are at ease together. They do not hear the voice of the taskmaster. Taskmaster, they the small and the great are there, and the slave is free from his master. Again, the great equalizer, all all these different uh, stations of life, all meeting the same fate. And and it all seems to be this this verse. All these verses are sleep, resting, not being, ceasing from raging. It's a nothingness, no Mm -hmm. activity. yeah, over and, and over. You know, I would not be. No, you know, it's contrary. not a singing in the choir in heaven idea. Nor is it the the burning with pitchforks. No, in, not at this. In, no, at this point either. No. You don't see. You don't see the, the what we see in the movies or in in literature. Right. This idea of being after death. That's right. There's no being until the resurrection. Exactly. That's that's what exactly. we're reading here. Exactly. Exactly. In Psalm 88, the grave grave is described as the land of for, forgetfulness, which is interesting. That's interesting. It says this, Psalm 88 verse 12, will your loving kindness be declared in the grave? Your faithfulness in Abaddon, which is a, a word for a place of destruction, will your wonders be made known in the darkness? And your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? It's like you're not even aware of God at nothing. that time. No, there's not, you're not, there's no nothing, no awareness, nothing. Exactly. Right. In the prophet Daniel's vision, he was told this, Daniel 12, verse 13, but you go your way till the end and rest and arise to your lot at the end of days. Yes. You know, Daniel, Daniel. Rest until then. <laughs> he's the one. He describes it. It's found in Revelation and in Daniel that description of those coming out of the grave That's right. for that judgment. That's and right. if we were automatically in heaven, if you belong to him, then why were you coming out of the grave for That's the right. judgment? That's right. We That's, talked about that in our last podcast. Last time. Yes. And uh, then there's. Mm-hmm. Um, it and doesn't then, seem like anything important's happening to Daniel. He's like, you're resting, and then you you go your way, then you rest. And then you rise. Exactly. There's so there's nothing this, happening in that in between that we, resting and rising. Let's go, so let's go back to what, what I said in the beginning is that when we lay down and go to sleep and time passes and you have no idea the amount of time passes. Right. And if unless unless you're a sleepwalker, nothing's happening. That's here. right. You know, exactly. You, there, Daniel is waking up and checking the clock. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you know, Ecclesiastes 9.10 reinforces that idea. Sheol is a place of no activity and no consciousness. It says this, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Wow, there it is. There is nothing There's there. nothingness. No work, nothingness. No There's no, no nothing. one singing in the choir or meeting up with your dead relatives no. or anything like no. that. There's you know, nothingness. You know, it's so comforting. I get it. I understand I why people say it. I mean, I've heard it practically at every every funeral that I've ever been at, either either attended or or sir, you know, uh, been the uh, 
the uh, efficient for uh, efficient efficient <laughs> uh, for it's that people will say he's up there looking down on us. That's right. Or he's met with Uncle Joe and he's, That's right. he's with all your grandpa. We hear it all the time because it's very comforting. comforting. But again, if there's nothing, if it's sleep, the next waking moment, maybe that party will all happen. That's right. You know, it can later. be just as comforting. It's just as comforting. But yes. again, we, it's, it's a paradigm. Um, so Psalm 6.5 implies the same thing. In Sheol, there is no activity, no consciousness. In fact, this verse seems to be saying that in death, no one will even be aware of, of God himself. Wow. Psalm 6, verse 5, there is no mention of God, no mention of you, speaking of God, in death. In Sheol, who will give you thanks is the question. Wow. There's no one there to give thanks, no That's one right. to praise. That's why I think the Hebrews always stressed what you do in this life, Amen. right? Amen. Right. Do everything, your righteous deeds and everything needs to happen now, because when you die, nothing's happening. No more. The, that was no. why they stressed that. It wasn't that, oh, the looking forward to going to heaven where great things are happening. It's like, this is your shot at it, guys, right now. It on is. Earth. I, I think that is the definite difference between what the way much of, of Christianity thinks destination, yes. heaven, yes. versus the journey. Yes. We've talked about this before, and yes. the journey is so important. Yes. We're going to look at a few more verses about falling asleep. Uh, Daniel 12, 2, and many of those who sleep in the dust afar, that we saw at the very beginning of the earth, so you sleep in the dust of the earth, shall wake, this is what you were referencing, mm -hmm. some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. There's the resurrection. Right. Sleep. Then you wake up. I like that idea. Right. That idea of waking up is also associated with the feast of uh, the Yom Teruah, right? right? Um, the wake up, O sleeper, arise, you know, mm. and that trumpet sound. Well, that, yeah, which is perfectly in line with that First Thessalonians passage that many use to, to support the idea of a rapture. But it's that trumpet sound, and then those who are dead rise. will rise That's up, right. And those who are alive and remain will be caught up in the air. That's end. exactly no. right. Yeah. In Acts 7.60, this is uh, talking about Stephen, and falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Mm. In 1 Thessalonians 4.14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Right. Peter at Shavuot, okay, uh, Pentecost, in the book of Acts 13:36 for David after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation fell asleep and was laid with his fathers as that idea of gathering to your mm -hmm. people and saw corruption that means his body his returned to decayed. dust exactly, exactly. 1 Thessalonians 4.14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, not those who are in heaven, those who have fallen, fallen asleep, asleep in the dust of up. the earth. Yeah, and notice the difference there, because Yeshua uh, did not see, corrupt, it, 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 see corruption, his body did not decay. That's right. That was that's that's the that's difference right. there. The resurrection, and now he has a new body, and that's, that's what we right. all look forward to. I'm going to read a bigger part of that First Thessalonians. It'll be First Thessalonians four thirteen through eighteen. 
But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. There's that idea is don't grieve about them being asleep. Right. It's okay. It's right? okay. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. There's your comfort, folks, yeah, right there. Yeah, it's used over and over. For this, we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. So that's what we were talking about. It is. Con and in connecting it back even to Yom Teruah, Mm -hmm. uh, it, we're talking about a, a resurrection um, yeah. uh, when Yeshua returns, and that's what all the disciples were looking forward to. Paul's just playing it out here to the very end. And, and using the language that is consistent with the Tanakh, with the Torah. Yes. That's the fact that you've fallen asleep. And if, if we're consistent with the, the fact that there's a resurrection, this this event that is described in 1 Thessalonians 4 is the resurrection, the resurrection. not a calling away of the saints right. for a seven-year period of whatever. Right, right. You know, that's... You know, and I also don't see any indication of immortal souls that have been waiting in heaven, then leaving heaven and coming with Christ and joining up with their bodies. It just doesn't seem to say that. And the same is true in 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but all, we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of eye an eye in the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound. Here's the same idea. And the dead will be raised imperishable. And there's your resurrected body folks. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we shall be changed for this perishable body must put on the Im um, uh, imperishable. <laughs> yes. And this mortal body must put on immortality when the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your sting? Uh, unbelievably beautiful description of resurrection. Yes. That's what Yeshua did is he overcame death on the cross so that now we can have eternal life. God exactly. so loved the, is, is the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is it. It's the rising up at the resurrection to eternal life. Now that won't happen for everybody. Some will perish after that, after the great judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, like I said earlier, it's the great equalizer and you, there, there is a judgment. And, and so all, all people will, will, will uh, rest in the dust of the earth if they die before this resurrection happens. Yes. There is a generation that will see him come. That's right. That will still be alive. That's, That's what right. this is saying. Yes. And so those who are alive and remain will, will be caught up together when this resurrection happens. That's right. All those... So again, they're not waiting. In, they're not in heaven. They're in the grave. They're in the dust of the earth. They're raised up, and then there's this this uh, this judgment that happens. That's right. Once again, I ask the question: If everybody is up there, floating around in heaven, who knew knew the Lord prior to their death, then why are they now having to be gathered together for judgment? That's right. 
I, I don't know. I think once again, take it to its logical conclusion. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't make fit. sense. It, it doesn't, doesn't fit. fit. But this, when read in with the proper paradigm, what we just read again, fits with all of the Tanakh. They're mm -hmm. sleeping. They're they're sleeping in the dust. There, those who have slept are are sleeping and went before us. Then will take on yes. their new immortal bodies, and so those who are alive and remain will also. Well, and it sounds like at this trumpet, that's when they get the immortal, immortal imperishable body. It's not before that. They no. didn't have a body. They didn't, there wasn't an eternal soul. There wasn't any immortality right. happening there at that time. There was everybody was dead. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you rise up and either you are called to eternal life there or not. Right. 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 Um, so I... I I don't. I don't see in there um, necessarily. I don't see that idea of immortal soul in heaven. I, I don't see that. No, we don't see it there. We don't no. see it in, again unless we're reading it into right. it because of our preconceived ideas. Right. You I mean, know. I think. I think it's in Revelation that even speaks of the sea giving up their dead. Yes. Right? Yes. You know. So even though if you're not in the dust of the earth, you went to the bottom of the ocean. That's the same, right. The same. Uh, you know. Your body still breaks down. That's right. Whether it's in the ocean or whether it's in the in the earth. You know, I'm going to read from Matthew 27. This is something that I think I tend to forget about, but like, whoa, super cool. This is um, after Yeshua died, and after he'd been after he was risen, the tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> uh, whoa, where where are the cameras? Where's everybody with their cell phones? Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so. There, there was, we had this bit of a discussion and we were looking for those accounts, right? Uh, there were some other accounts, I think, of we're, people. We were looking for, for extra biblical accounts. Extra biblical if, accounts if there of this. A and there, there is um, a, we're, a belief that there is a historian that accounted for it, but we weren't yes. able to, to locate that yeah, one Yeah, exactly. Um, I, Josephus definitely uh, talks about, and there is, again, some debate whether it was actually Josephus who said it, but it's in it's in his writings that uh, it talks about the resurrection of Yeshua, right? But not this resurrection of others who came out of the grave at the time, which means that they must have lived out the rest of their lives. And yeah, then eventually that's what died. I'm thinking. That's yeah. what, what I'm thinking. But this is kind of a what a, a taste like of yes. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like Lazarus, he was right. came out from death, and he, I'm sure he lived out a normal life, and then he also returned to the yeah. dust like his fathers. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. You know, in our podcast um, titled, If I Go to Heaven When I Die, What's the Point of the Resurrection? We talked about the topic of the disembodied soul, the idea that each of us is made up of two parts, a body that perishes and a soul that lives forever and travels to heaven when we die. We discussed the origins of this idea, which I believe to be outside of the Bible. If this idea of the disembodied soul is the paradigm through which you are looking at your Bibles, it's super easy to read this paradigm into lots of verses that may or may not have anything to say about going to heaven when we die. In our next podcast, 
we will venture into this topic some more and look at some of the popular proof texts for this belief. For instance, what Yeshua said to the thief on the cross. I also want to remind you that even though, and this is what we talked about at the beginning, even though you may derive great comfort from the idea of going straight to heaven when you die, I assure you that whatever God's way is, it is the best way. So don't fret about that. Perhaps we need to simply look forward to our future resurrection as the Bible tells us will happen. Shalom, everybody. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.